Welcome to the London School of Design and Marketing podcast. You'll find all you need to know about marketing, design, and leadership across our key disciplines. If you're a first-time listener, make sure that you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new episodes. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn by searching at LSDM London, where I, Frank Sullivan, will be your host and guide on the journey from best practice, from the classroom to the boardroom. Well, good day, and thank you very much for joining the LSTM Leaders interview series. I have the pleasure of being with Lizzie and Alex, the founders of Hockey. Welcome, guys. Can I get a little bit of an introduction to you both? Hello. Thanks for having us. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm Alex Hess. Uh, I'm co-founder of Hoxby uh, with Lizzie. Uh, I live in rural Wiltshire in England, uh, and I started Hoxby with Lizzie uh, five years ago um, so that I could uh, work around my life, uh, growing a, a small family, uh, and now I have two children. <laughs> And I'm Lizzie Penny, um, and I'm also the co-founder and joint CEO. And for me, the catalyst for starting Hoxby was different from Alex, though he now has a family. Um, he can talk about his own journey that he went on. But for me, it was about having my first son. And where previously I thought the world was nice and equal, my eyes were opened to the pervasive inequalities in the working world and I started to have an appreciation for just how many people were excluded from the working world and it made me angry but it also made me determined to work to find a better solution where all those brilliant people could be included in some way particularly yeah. in the digital era that we're living in so it was kind of a meeting of minds. So we've had a number of interactions over the last few months and I've had the privilege of getting to know you both as co-founders and as well as leaders in the marketing world and i think as as the dynamic duo it hasn't it hasn't been a it hasn't been a, a straight line to success there have been some some bumps along the road and i think part of leadership in challenging times which is the the series the topic for this series we want to get personal i want to pull out some practical examples i want to understand why is Hawksby the way it is? It's a fantastic culture. You guys have invested so much of yourselves and so much energy into building great DNA of a team. And it's really quite inspiring to see that. And from an external perspective, being able to see how that makes you resilient and almost it, it's almost a prophylactic against shock. Like when you have a team that's well that's well formed and you have the DNA well set up from from day one, which can only come from from good leadership, it kind of immunizes you against some of the 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 more negative things happening in the market. So I guess my first question to you is, what is Hawksby? What does it what does it do, and 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 why did you start this agency? It's such an interesting model. Lizzie, I'm going to throw that one to you first. Throw it to me. So basically, it was as a consequence of Alex having suffered from burnout and me having um, tried to come back to work part time as a parent for the first time. And really, our passion to change the way the world works. So it started, uh, I think we said to you before, Frank, it started from a conversation in the pub. Um, at the start of the evening, we thought, um, 
we were kind of ranting and by the end of the evening we decided we were going to change the world and that spirit of determination has continued for the five years since but um the thing we came up with that night that has really carried um everything forward has been the concept of work style which is that you can work where and when you choose and you'll be judged on your outcome or output rather than any of the other factors that create bias at work and um, the concept of work style underpins Hoxby in that we started Hoxby to prove it could be done we believed it could be done and recently we've also launched the Hoxby foundation to now take it beyond the prototype that Hoxby is and to show the rest of the world that they can do this too and particularly in light of covid this feels like the right time for the widespread adoption of work style and and people being able to fit their work around their lives rather than the other way around which is so important so to build on that you know we started with that as the this this is what the organization is going to to be centered on this idea of work style um, and, you know, to Lizzie's experience as a working parent um, and mine of a mental health condition at the time, what we found and what we strongly believed was that work style is um, the solution to the broader issue of inclusion that we have within the, uh, the nine to five industrial age working system that actually um prohibits a lot of people from being able to access work at all um, and actually makes those that can access work pretty miserable. In fact, I think more people are unhappy in their jobs than are happy. So what we wanted to do was create a happier, more fulfilled society. I mean, people enjoying their work and we think that we can do that by removing these inequalities, the, the barriers that the nine to five system puts in place. So we're now pioneering that world of work without bias, as we call it ourselves. And we're doing that through the projects that we do across uh, marketing, creative, innovation, PR, HR, admin, as well as a consultancy service in the future of work. And we're doing that for big clients, big businesses like Unilever, Amazon Web Services, uh, Merck, uh, Warner Media, and the like. So our way of working and our way of bringing Hoxbees, as we call them, together uh, working in, in their own way to their own work style um, gives us the ability to harness um, a much more diverse talent pool, uh, which we think increases our collective intelligence and enables us to deliver solutions that would otherwise not have been possible. So let's so, let's just put a bit of put a bit of numbers around us. How many how many Hawksbees are you? It's not like there are two of you. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, not anymore. Let's, and, let's just quantify this because you guys yeah. are serious yeah. players now. <laughs> I love it, love it that you say that. We never think of ourselves as serious players, and that's perhaps another conversation. But um, we're a thousand Hoxbees in forty-three countries around the world, um, and you know, I think it's funny because if we worked in an office, we'd probably think, whoa, that's a lot of people. But we don't have an office, we never have done. We work on Slack, that is our virtual office. And so sometimes you don't get a sense of the scale of that. But I think that hopefully also creates more impact in terms of us um, having an impact in different economies, different societies. And as Alex said, our vision is to create a happier, more fulfilled society through a world of work without bias. And we're not going to do that if we only have one office in West London, as we did in our previous roles. 
So who in their right mind would say no to that? I want, I want, I want to unpack this into two things because you've, you, you, you've, you've, you've woven them into each other so closely that it's almost difficult to separate what is management theory from what is workplace and delivery process. You've, you, from the business perspective, you've created from day one a 100% decentralized management yes. structure in yep. order to run a, a, a flat and, 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 and matrix-driven organization as opposed to a, something hierarchical and, and a pyramid structure, you have, in five years, managed to scale to a team of a 1,000 servicing some of the biggest brands on the planet. Yep. Because I think you're, now we're going to move into the philosophical side, you, you've chosen an incredibly flexible and dynamic structure which totally brings us away from the world of eight hours for sleep, eight hours for work, eight hours for leisure, from cradle yeah. to the cubicle. It's, two, it's 203 years old, Frank, so it's about mm -hmm. time we moved on from, you know, <laughs> we're big fans of Sir Robert Owen, but it might be time to move on, we think. Damn right, <laughs> damn right. And so really from day one, everything that was wrong with the old way of doing things in terms of burnout, no time for family, no focus on, 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 on output, it's all input, and you've got this world of bias in your nine to five little office. All of that drove you away from the old world into the new, and it's paid off in spades. So let yep. me look yep. now at the cultural aspect of this. We mm -hmm. talked a little bit earlier about DNA of a company, the culture of a company, and how you've inoculated your business against systemic risk by building mm. a culture mm. of loyalty and by building a highly flexible workforce that can expand to the biggest projects or work on the smallest and most focused of briefs. Mm -hmm. And being able to attract that pipeline of talent only comes from being one of those time, Times newspaper, great places to work, investors in people kind of style of leadership. So mm. what, is it about mm. the, what is it about the culture that makes great talent want to do their best work from their kitchen table? I mean, I think, I think the first thing is having a shared vision. So mm -hmm. I think the way that we select, so we've had, you know, more than 25,000 people apply to join Hoxby since we started. We are selective and that's because we're a trust-based model, but it's also because we are precious about keeping this culturally what we set out to make it and scaling whilst preserving culture i think is one of the current challenges that we're going to or has been over the last year or two and so um we our application process involves people articulating back to us why the work style movement re um, resonates with them and how it fits within their life so what we don't do is just have people apply who want work we, the people that get into Hoxby are the people that fundamentally believe in the change we're trying to create in the world. And I think that is incredibly powerful for a shared sense of accountability, particularly when you're all working remotely and therefore there is a, a different level of trust. Mm. There's, there's, a, there's a functional aspect of this as well to the, to the model. So <clears throat> Lizzie's quite right that the belief system acts like glue that transcends back physical boundaries. We don't need to be in the same physical space. We have no office and we never have, never will. We also don't have any employees. So nobody at Hoxby is, is in a traditionally employed position. Everybody is freelance. Um, and that's because what we want to do is 
have the kind of power and control over work style sitting with individuals, not sitting with the employer organization as it has been traditionally known. So what that does to, to your point about decentralization is it also takes the the power balance in a completely different direction. So what, what we're saying is everybody at Hoxby is completely autonomous, as Lizzie said, trusted to do their work um, and, and empowered to do it on their own terms. But also what that means is that they have to display their own leadership. You know, leadership at Hoxby is a behavior. It's not a position as well is what we say and how we talk, you know, everybody within Hoxby is a self-starter. They are um, freelancer. They are, you know, able to kind of administer themselves and run themselves as a business, which is really important. Um, and, you know, we, we obviously think that our way of working is the future, but we acknowledge that we are pioneering this way of working with a group of people who are highly entrepreneurial, highly autonomous mm. um, and who are blazing the trail. So um, we think that in the future, everybody will work this way. But but currently, it's a certain type of person that's coming into Hoxby that's really making this this model work optimally. So let me pick you up on, on, on two things, Alex and, and, and Lizzie. So Alex, to your point around the, the process and the mechanics of, of the model, self-employment doesn't suit everyone. You do have to be a self-starter. You do need to understand. You you need to be self-managing or at least self-directing, and to have that level of uh, that level of confidence in your skill, you need to be able to do that. I, I think there are a lot of people on the towards the middle or the lower middle part of our industry in terms of skills and confidence that are not suitable for this this model. They still require a bridge into the into the new world. Yeah. And so, can we answer that now, or should we? <laughs> go ahead and take that one quickly. Um, well, so look, I think I think you're right, um, but I think that the self-employment landscape is shifting very quickly. So, if you look at the kind of broader gig economy and the the, the rise of portfolio careers, uh, the different ways in which an individual can monetize themselves. So, rather than thinking about getting a traditional job, thinking about what are the different ways I can generate an income as an individual. I think the barrier to enter the perceived um, level of difficulty of being self-employed is coming down uh, and younger people entering the workforce are um, have more of the skills, but also the, the operating landscape with which to deploy those skills in a really varied way. Yeah. So whilst we are very accustomed to self-employment meaning a certain thing, that's not to say that's how it'll always be. And in fact, I think what we're seeing is a real shift in attitude towards self-employment. It's getting easier and easier to be self-employed. So the services that support self-employment from banking to accounting and tax returning and, and all of the kind of insurance products that are out there now are really shifting to take on um you know, to make self-employment as easy as employment. And I think those lines are becoming uh, increasingly blurred between the two. So whilst I agree right now, it requires a slightly different uh, mindset and a slightly different personality type. I think it's not going to take long um, for for that to shift and actually for people to, to adopt with that, uh, adapt to that change much more easily. Well, this is a beautiful opening into my question for, for Liz here. You described it as a movement, not an HR process. Why? Um, 
Alex and I frequently talk about the work style revolution. So we think there was the industrial revolution 203 years ago or the catalyst for that. And now we think that we are about to go into the work style revolution. Um, and we see that as something so much bigger than ourselves. So it, I think it's telling that Hoxby's vision is to create a happier, more fulfilled society through a world of work without bias. That is so much bigger than we are. What we want to be is the inspiration or the example that others can look to emulate who constantly are pushing to prove that this that everyone can work this way. And we often say one day everyone will work this way. We believe in a future where organizations don't carry full-time overheads of staff. Instead, they partner with one or a number of communities like ours and they align themselves to buy the resource they need when they need it. But at the same time, communities like ours, we have a profit share, we pay 25% of the profits every quarter to the equally amongst the whole community. So we're kind of, putting the power back in the hands of the people if that isn't too grandiose. And I think to, to the point that you asked just now, the other thing we're doing is we're supporting people on that journey to work in a freelance way in a slightly more protected space. So they're still very much freelance. No one's reliant on their Hoxby income. Everyone has other income from personal um, projects. But the point is that we provide a sense of belonging and a community to be a part of and set processes that they can feel comfortable following and a, just a sense of, of being part of something. You know, I think I've said before, the water cooler channel we have at Hoxby in our Slack community is crazy busy with pictures of babies and cats and view from my desks, you know? So that some people join for the water cooler alone. It isn't just about the projects, it's about being part of the movement that we're trying to create. Mm. And I this think is you, you've taken the best of both worlds and you, you've taken, yeah. taken all of the things that are crap about employment and gotten rid of them and all of the things that are great about building a proper work-life balance and incorporated that. And it's not having a thousand independent contractors in, in an ERP system. It, it does feel like a community from the way that you described it. Well, and that's echoed yeah. as well because most freelance communities or freelance platforms, probably at best, um, they would never do a profit share and three to four percent of those communities are earning at any one time. And at Hoxby, it's more like 40 percent of the community are earning at any one any given time. So yeah. the model is very different. And we we therefore don't really fit in any, you know, we're not in the freelance platform stable. We're not in the employment stable. We're kind of somewhere in this new middle ground, as you say. Which is actually one of our challenges, because I know that, you know, this is what this is all about. One of our challenges is getting people to understand that we don't fit a current box we're creating something new and that takes a bit more effort from us mm. in order to help people to understand that we are different and to explain and get mm. them to understand that when they're looking so often to kind of just get it just see where we fit um and i i do think covid has helped helped us with that such a diplomatic answer yeah we beat them over the head with a two by four until they understand the old yeah way. well we, we and some people we just can't work with is the truth of it frank because some people yeah. don't see it don't believe in it and therefore aren't good clients for us we've had experience of that before we now work with clients that align with our values and our vision because it's the meeting of minds isn't it so yeah i think to build on uh, that middle ground discussion a, a stage further I think what it means for Hoxby members coming in is we're not necessarily um, 
a place where there are some freelancers who wouldn't necessarily get on with Hoxby because it's a community that it's it looks and feels a bit more like a an organization as in it's lots of people and a lot of people go freelance because they want to avoid working with other people <laughs> um, and actually they just want to work um, by themselves and, and on their own and that's completely fine um, but equally there are a lot of employees who you know who don't want that uh, the rigidity of um, of that working system they want their um, their their work to fit around their life uh, but equally going completely freelance and working on their own feels like too too daunting a, a shift too big an environmental change and actually they want somewhere in between so we we actually find we get people coming from both directions you know freelancers who are looking for, for more of a community and to belong to something bigger and employees who want to to change their lifestyle and, and have a work style that that fits around it so um that's that's where we end up kind of kind of creating our community in in, in this kind of middle ground this this third uh, community solution. Some some of the uh, some of the, inf the the research I've done, we've um, came up with a, a very unscientific term for these people. We call them the lonely anarchists because oh, oh well, they can gather together in the workstyle <laughs> movement, so they can. Yeah. Uh... A lonely anarchist is one that refuses to join a group of anarchists. Oh, I see. I imagine oh, you see. what an anarchist should do. I see. <laughs> <laughs> Lonely nice. We'll talk more about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about. We have spent. Let me wrap up on part one here. Yeah. We've spent fifteen minutes talking about the DNA of Hawksby and why it is an example for others to emulate. It is the culture of the business and the way that you intermingle, or the way that you intertwine the the model, the business model, and the style of working as the mm -hmm. movement for 21st century working and i think that's that's fantastic you've yeah uh, i wish you every success this is a great model i wish more people did it it's like it's like running a running a tech startup but full of people who actually mean something um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, part, if it's okay with you i'd like to get a little bit more personal yep mm -hmm. I've spoken about my challenges around depression, anxiety, and burnout, and, and, and how this has impacted on my career and my philosophy in work, being both self-employed, having built a portfolio career, having launched and invested in companies before, all of these things. What has been a challenging time for both of you? From the business perspective, you had one of those 30% clients walking out the front door kind of mm. moments. What mm. was it like for you starting out? I mean, I'm not asking you to relive the trauma of these these bad days. And But mm. tell, me, tell me about a personal struggle from, from both of you. So um, I have one that has been, you know, by far the biggest personal struggle um, of my life anyway that happened where, after we'd started Hoxby. So Hoxby was... We, we started Hoxby for different reasons, as we said, but for me, mine was because I had a, a son and I started to want to work flexibly around the family. And I didn't want anyone to think I was less dedicated to my career just because I had a family, which I wasn't. Um, but then uh, in my second pregnancy, I was pregnant with twins and we had some very serious complications that meant, and I ended up having surgery 23 weeks into the pregnancy and then being on bed rest for 10 weeks, which was, an extremely anxious time for me. And having worked in and on Hoxby 
um, for two years prior to that, I'd done so with the insight of a working parent uh, rather than someone with an illness and with a lot of you know mental health challenges at that time. And um, I found Hoxby to be complete escapism. It was incredible to be able to sit in bed all day and work on Hoxby and just go into this world where probably 10 people in the community knew that there was any kind of complication with my pregnancy and no one else knew. And that was amazing. I could just be, there was no pity, there was no judgment. I was just able to be judged on what I was doing each day and I brought the usual enthusiasm through the written word and no one knew unless I was on a video call that I was in bed and in my pajamas all the time and it really gave me insight into other you know people with chronic illness and chronic pain um caring responsibilities there are a myriad of people that are working in this way and I think for me I found that it was incredible when I was already on my own all day to be able to escape into this world. And I think it carried me through, you know, it was, in, it was incredible. And, and then on the flip side, after I'd had the twins who thankfully both survived against the odds and they were in intensive care and what have you, but I was able to return to work on my terms, which to begin with was an hour a week, then it was a couple of hours a week, then it was half a day a week. And it was very gradual and that's, testament to working with Alex as well as to the culture of the community but I think if you can go through something like that and and it can be a proof point for the community rather than feeling like a tough time for Hoxby and a tough time for me then for me that that was all I needed to feel even more inspired than before. That's that's a very brave revelation thank you for sharing that with us. Um, Alex um it's just difficult to follow something like that isn't it um i think um for me personally so i i have an example for the for the business that obviously lizzie and i both went through which i can talk about mm. um but i guess my my personal biggest challenge was burnout we talked about it at the start um so this was um before we started hoxby but actually was the catalyst for hoxby um was for me and it wasn't a diagnosed burnout self-diagnosed burnout but i i knew i had a an issue a problem that i couldn't fix um with my mind um the way i was working um was i felt like i was i, I was on fire but but ultimately i i burned out because i was doing too much work in terms of time and expending too much mental energy on it um, because I was validating how good a job I was doing uh, against how many hours I was putting in. And, you know, I was saying to myself, I can't do any more than a, a 50 hour working week. So that's what I'll do. Um, and uh, that period of kind of realization that uh, I wasn't in the right frame of mind came when my wife just sort of said to me, you know, you're a shadow of yourself. We need to we we need to go away. You need to take some time off work, and and uh, we need to talk about it. Um, and you know the behaviours she was seeing was uh, ambivalence, um, being distant. You know, not really enjoying the highs, not really bemoaning the lows, just kind of vacancy really um, from what was happening in the present. So we went away uh, for a week and uh, came back, and I, I don't really remember much about that 
particular holiday, I have to say. Um, but I do remember coming back and saying, nothing's changed. The time away hasn't hasn't helped me. Um, and it was in th- saying that and coming to that realisation that I realised time wasn't going to fix the problem and time away from the problem doesn't make it go away. A mental health problem requires, um, a, you know, for you to resolve it mentally, you know, to, to apply some thought to it and to, to change some of the thought patterns that have perhaps been creating it in the first place. So that was then the catalyst for me to, to, to renegotiate my psychological contract with work. So what is it that I'm actually going to start validating my performance against? And that needs to be more about performance, more about outcome, uh, more about delivery, uh, and gaining satisfaction from that than from input of time spent because that was only going to lead back to the same place. So for me, that was the kind of um, the catalyst for the conversation in the pub with Lizzie around um, you know changing the way that we we talk about and think about work uh, and where workstyle came from. It's, and I think sorry, go on. I, I I have to pick pick you up on this and then I'll let let you continue. You said you you're renegotiating your relationship. Psychological, yeah. Psychological, yeah, psychological contract with work. Contract mm. with work. To a large, to what extent was that renegotiating with yourself? Entirely. Yeah. So, yeah, entirely. Uh, and uh, you know, consciously or otherwise, we're always appraising whether. Um, the work we're doing, how we're doing it, how well we're doing it, uh, and what what are we using as the measures for that? Are we are we comparing ourselves to our colleagues? Are we comparing ourselves to ourselves? Uh, our time spent, or what what are we actually validating ourselves against? And that was the yeah. the kind of uh, realization point. Self esteem against timesheet doesn't work, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. So glad absolutely. you had one of these come to Jesus moments. Thank yeah. You. Well, likewise, and you know, and I think um, this is why this um, this conversation and your your sort of thread of your conversations is so interesting because I do think that it's in those moments uh, and in Lizzie's example as well where you you know you 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 have to reach that point sometimes to 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 make the step changes that that are really important and really necessary. Um, to, to move forward and we've always had a, a mindset of designing out the problem you know Lizzie and I've worked together uh, for a long time and that's how we approach things you know we all we always seek to find a new solution so wherever we see a problem um, we'll look to um, to solve it and no challenge is, is too great so there's always a way. I think also part of that just to add that what one of the things that came from Alex's experience of burnout that we've tried to design into Hoxby and it placed your po- culture point earlier is that work should be fun like work is a massive part of most people's lives whatever your work style is whether it's your sense of identity whether it's the number of hours you put in whether it's the outcomes that you get to that you can feel proud of and so we started Hoxby with this idea that you should love what you do that you should be enjoying it fundamentally and particularly when you work for yourself the highs and the lows are so much more acute you need to find a way to enjoy the journey because otherwise it's just not going to be worth it so we've tried to make sure that that is part of what everyone feels being at Hoxby that it's just a fun place to be as well it's like here's the here's the framework for success if you've understood it i now invite you to be the best version of yourself <laughs> you choose to be 
exactly. 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 That's, that's where the name Hoxby comes from. Happiness of others times the best of you. That's where that's where it comes from. So um, that's where it that's where that's the kind of cultural sentiment that we hope carries through. Gentlemen's English Hunting Club. Meet <laughs> <laughs> you down at Foxby's, dear. Meet you down. <laughs> um, oh, that's the two really great examples. One one is, as you mentioned, a step change, and the other one is a runaway <laughs> a runaway truck. Mm. Mm. That Alex, your example of going through a challenging time as someone um going into business you've explained that this is the personal motivation but the psychological the cultural and the process and the business model have all become intertwined into this amazing new way of working and it's yes i'm sure i'm, I'm sure theoreticians and researchers on, on my side could unpack this for for days but i'm, I'm conscious of time here i want to move into part three and thank you sure. both for being brave and sharing that those stories it's going to make a lot of waves, I'm sure. Yeah. We talk about organizational challenges. It's not easy to build a, uh, a company. They say once after 50 people, you, you, you stop, stop losing track of first names. Mm-hmm. How have you built an organization with 1,000 Hoxbys in five years? How <laughs> that, that can't always be rosy. I think what's interesting is that um, the the challenges don't stop coming. It's just the way you choose to approach them. And, you know, we've also talked before with you about how it feels going through these things. Yes. I think we're extremely privileged to work together and to enjoy the way we work. We see every challenge as a, you know, new opportunity to try something different. And so we've always, for the most part, we've had a couple of particularly tough challenges and Alex will talk through one of them. But I think for the most part, the attitude of, of feeling like we always say to each other if it was easy to work this way everyone would be doing it and in saying that we kind of acknowledge that the challenges are what make this beautiful and special and the future so it wouldn't be as much fun if we didn't have the challenges and I think for us those challenges as we grow are new and different each time which also I think we both used to work in a very traditional marketing agency and there were challenges there, a lot of challenges. They were mostly like utilization, you know, do you have enough people or do you have enough work and constantly balancing that. And the, the, the problem with that was boredom. It was like the same challenge all the time. And the thing at Hoxby is it's lots of new challenges all the time, which is what keeps it exciting. But I'll let Alex talk about one, well, in, one in particular. I, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's fascinating in so much as Lizzie's right. You know, the, ch- the challenges that we have inside Hoxby that we're resolving all the time in terms of developing a new operating system for work are plentiful and exciting because they are just opportunities to do things differently, do things better. So to your point about um, Dunbar's number, I think it is about the number Mm. of people you can hold, you know, on first name terms uh, or engage with is, is finite. So some of the stuff that Lizzie and I have done in the way that we run and lead within Hoxby has been born out of that kind of discovery so when you reach 300 people all of a sudden you have to change the way you do things when you reach 700 people that changes again but a lot of the way in which we do things therefore is different to how you would have done them traditionally Lizzie and I record a lot of videos we do a lot of our internal engagement through video because then it's in it's timeless and it can be it can be part of a an ongoing 
dialogue that we have with every new member that comes into the community. So it's a very different way of thinking and, and operating internally. The other lens that we have, the biggest challenge is, is ensuring that this model is validated by the work that we do for our clients. It's no good saying we operate with a work style model, but by the way, everything we do for clients is, is worthless because nobody can communicate or collaborate. It doesn't stack up. It's just an ideology that's unfounded. Yeah. And so we have to, um, you know, it's, it's why we talk about the clients we work with because we're very proud of it, but also it validates that this isn't just a, an idea. This is something that we've prototyped, evolved and built into something that works. And in doing so, what we've had to learn is the types of clients that we we will work with, the types we won't. It's a little bit like the example that you gave at the start, you know, Frank, we, we have had to resign big clients. And at one point we had to resign one because, um, you know, culturally, even though they wanted to brief us to do lots of different uh, aspects of re-engineering their business to be more like ours, um, so in terms of intent there was great alignment and it and it was growing very well as a as a piece of business um we we were it was fairly early days as well so it was funding quite a heavy proportion of our turnover but it got to a point where we realized that the the, the cultural fit actually just wasn't there and the people that were working on it were not enjoying it to lizzie's point love what you do is one of our values and and that was that was really being called into question so you have, from our perspective, obviously not only the the desire and the objective to to enable the model to do great work, but you also have to make sure that the interface with the client and the people who are working on that on that project um, are having an enjoyable experience, both on for, both from the perspective of the client and the people who are working on it. Mm -hmm. um, and th and that wasn't working, and we had to make the executive decision to resign the client and stop the project, which took us more or less back to square one. Um, they were. A pretty like sizable, it. yeah. I mean, we well, I think psychologically it did because we were mm. we were. This is a business model that really re relies on momentum. The more momentum you build, the more um, word positive word of mouth spreads about um, you know the internal experience, and the more um, you attract new business to to the agency as well. So it basically killed our momentum that we'd built because we had to strip out probably 75% of our workload. Um, and that meant that Hoxby's were sitting in the community in a large percentage not working. Um, so we had to um, find a way to um, engage and build and mobilize that community behind the, the positive changes we wanted to make as a result of this decision. And the main ones really were, we're only going to work with businesses who are aligned with our purpose. And we started talking about the purpose of Hoxby um, much, much more from that moment forward. So in every interaction we have with clients, we, we talk to them about that because we want to make sure that they understand that because it's very important for the quality of work they're going to get from the people who are working on the project. Yeah. And then the second thing is that we, we made the decision to um, really focus on the, the, shape and nature of the work that we deliver and make sure that that's um, very clearly um, reflective of the talent we've got in the community. And so we established um, more structure around the business units that we have on Hoxby and the services that they provide to clients. Uh, and we focused 
on that quite a bit for sort of six months or so after that uh, decision point to build business coming in that was <clears throat> a aligned culturally with our values and b aligned functionally with the the skills and the services that we most wanted to provide as a community and uh, we haven't looked back since then thankfully that was yeah that was probably our uh, a catalyst a really big turning point for hoxby i would say and that was probably in our Second year, I think. Oh, the second year, oh, yeah. Second year. So yeah. Uh, so so let, me, let me ask you both for for a bit of advice. So you know our postgrad students on the marketing design track, they're most of our students are already working and aspiring to be, uh, aspiring to be in a position to apply to a place like like Hawksby or ultimately future talent future leaders in that kind of style it's the generation coming up just immediately after us mm. your top three bits of advice for them mm. um i've got one which i think is becoming increasingly important um to the future of work and workers um, which is about having an authentic purpose and leading with that purpose so i think um Lizzie and I are very fortunate that we 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 run our business and we we've built it in our image and and with the values that we hold dear, uh, and so you know Hoxby is is the manifestation of Lizzie and I really, um, but I think for individuals to understand what their purpose is, why they're here, what impact they want to have on the world, is really important for them to then be able to select the type of projects and businesses that they work with because increasingly the future of work is about that it's about people choosing the brands and businesses that they want to work with not organizations choosing who they're going to employ i think yeah. that that whole uh, dynamic needs to shift and and if i could give anyone a piece of advice is to start thinking about it that way around uh, and start positioning yourself as an expert and an authority on the thing that you care most about and i will do the other two then so if alex is is do your authentic purpose i think um second one would be know what success means for you in the fullest sense of the word and i mean in terms of life and work and how they fit together not just in terms of success by the traditional career success benchmarks and then the third thing i would say is that in in the new working world you don't need to do just one thing in the same way that our lifestyle has lots of different aspects to it, your work style can have lots of different aspects to it as well. And we see that all the time at Hoxby and we think it makes for the, the highest performing, most inspiring people we work with when they do various different things and they're passionate about all of them, but together they fit to create their perfect kind of life. Um, I, I know that all three of those are basically quite reliant on self-reflection, but I think our point is until you take the time to really reflect on what you really want and then to make it happen, you aren't going to reach that, you know, that utopia that we're very privileged to have been on a journey to now be able to live in. That's really, really insightful and, and, and carefully delivered advice. I think it's, it's going to be very valuable. And I may take you up on some of those. <laughs> Do. We'll see you in Hoxby soon. Hold them with capital S. You know. <laughs> uh, Alex and Lizzie, thank you so much for your time. I think this is a wonderful interview. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having us.
That's all for today, folks. Did it strike a nerve? Did you enjoy that recording? Start a conversation or join in the discussion by searching on social media for at LSDM London, or be sure to visit our website, lsdmlondon.com, for all of our programs and more in-depth articles about the subject you've listened to today.